Welcome. You're about to be ushered past the velvet rope and into a world of hyper-effective salesmanship that's understood and used only by the world's most notoriously rich and successful marketers. We're taking a journey deep inside the human brain, past the surface clutter, and into the psychological insights to answer the one crucial question, what makes people buy? I'm your host, Kevin Rogers, along with the most ripped off and respected copywriter alive, John Carlton, and this is Psych Insights for Modern Marketers. Welcome back to Psych Insights for Modern Marketers. It's Kev Rogers here. Wow, how exciting to be uh, back in the saddle with my man, John Carlton, with a fresh episode. John, how are you, pal? Pretty good. All those rumors about me dying and going away are obviously <laughs> false. Uh, yes, exaggerated, just slightly. Yeah, uh, slightly exaggerated. Nah, man, you, 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 dude, you're as active. You're one of the most active uh, Facebookers with consistent. My wife is one of your biggest fans on, uh, on Facebook and she every day, did you see what John wrote today? Did you see John's post today? So well, this is, this is a long, long term plan of mine to disrupt all good relationships. <laughs> now, this, this, this goes back to something I picked up from Gary Halbert. It was like, um, you know, he, he did very well in chaos, which, mm. which was a problem for people like me who I don't like chaos. I like a little bit of excitement. I like adventure. But right before big seminars we'd have, we'd have, you know, 50 people in the room who had paid seven grand. This is back in 1990. And we're in Key West and everything. We're trying to get the sound going on the recording <laughs> stuff and everything's going. And he, he hated it when it was going smooth. So he would go and do stuff like screw with the the dials on the recording stuff or come up to me and said, Hey, do you know what Karen said about you? you know, and Karen being his, his assistant, he would just start rumors and it'd take us half an hour to figure out he was just doing it to screw with us. Yeah. And so that, you know, I don't know. Chaos is one thing, but the other thing that he, he liked is he didn't like other people having happy relationships either. So mm. it was a, believe it or not, was a charming element of working with the man. Mm. What you understood that, and that's one of the reasons I worked with him for years. Uh, Scott Haynes worked with him for years. Mm. We understood what we were getting into. It's like, you're not going to swim across the uh, river with him, you know, because he's the scorpion. So, but, you know, he's great to have around with, with, in, in other formats. So brilliant, brilliant people come along with um, um, exciting complications mm. that almost by the nature of them right. separate out the people who shouldn't be in his inner circle. And the ones that do are the ones that can handle the, the fun, the outrageous humor, the, the in, what, what seems like insanity to, to the outsiders looking in. And this, right. you know, this, you know, amazingly enough, that kind of dovetails with what we were going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. And, and it really does uh, lend in nicely to it because what we're going to talk about today is we're going to explore more the idea of, you know, how, how do you need to live your life? Not only if you want to produce great content, great work, whether you're a copywriter, whether you're growing a business, look, we live in an age of uh, everyone's an entertainer now right? If you're, if you're putting out content, if you're asking people to engage with your, your business, you've got to get their attention. John, I've been thinking a lot lately about this idea 
here's my, here's my hypey mantra. You know, it's so, it's always very effective if you can declare that something's dead, right? Uh-huh. Remember our buddy Rich Sheffern did that years ago and did really well with it. Uh, here's what's dead. Uh, knowledge content is dead. Uh, and may, maybe in B2B, it's, it's still thriving. Like they, they'll actually pay somebody by the hour to read a white paper, right? But in the world we live in, entrepreneurial world of, you know, winning attention. And as you say, John, money is applause. So you're leading people to uh, engaging with you professionally. If that is your goal, knowledge content is dead. You've got to make people feel, man. You know, we all have hard drives packed full with stuff that seemed important enough for us to download it. Never (laughs) opened, right? Never opened it one time. That's knowledge content. However, think about the last time you saw a video or heard an audio and you felt something and you felt emotion and you either cried or you laughed. What's the next thing you did after that moment? Number one, you probably shared that piece of content with somebody right. you, you care about. And number two, you immediately made sure you recognized who it came from so you wouldn't forget. And number three, you very likely uh, sought an immediate way to get more content from that person. And so- It's good, yes. That's my new hook I'm working. <laughs> that's that's great. And you know, I am as guilty as a lot of people of of- telling people to live life with gusto, which is, which for me early in my life, <clears throat> in, in my professional career was a, made sense to me. I understood what gusto meant to me mm. because of course in the fifties, the first, the early Schlitz beer commercials were oh, go yeah. for the gusto. And <clears throat> so that, that was a word that was bounced around in uh, advertising when I was a kid, even, I don't think it's used so much anymore. But it had, a, it had a definition for me. So when I tell people to go for the gusto or live life with gusto, I, I understand what it means because I'm channeling it through my experience. Mm-hmm. And what I think has is, is happened in the ensuing years is people have lost track of what I think gusto means. And that's what I think we, we were going to talk about. It's like, it's easy to say, now, my son, you know, go west and live life with gusto. And But if you don't, understand what that means if you don't have even a vague clue of what that's going to entail you know you may think it means watching more tv you know you're right i should catch up on all those tv shows i haven't been you know watching yeah. or you know you know get, get you know sp- i should spend more weekends with netflix <laughs> and you know that's that's not what i mean um you know i and i'm i i'm a netflix junkie but you know i've I've uh, done my time as a young man coming up through the ranks. So, and I know that that wouldn't have worked for me back then. I needed to experience life and needed to experience. And looking back on it would be a possibly a scary way. I think if I was giving someone advice now, it would be go out there and scare the hell out of yourself. You know, see what you can do. Find the, the biggest challenge you can find, the biggest hill to climb, the, the, the scariest dark alley to walk down and then go walk down it, but be prepared. Don't go walking down like a, like a rube and be the reason it's scary because it chews up people and spits them out. <clears throat> be that person who goes in there with your eyes open, get whatever backup you need, either better skills, better knowledge, a uh, big friend, what, what, whatever metaphor you want. It, it, don't go blindly out there, but 
and I'm going to let you take off after this. A big challenge goes in with what you were saying before we started recording this call, which was, you know, the, the toll of, of, of meeting challenges. It's like, yeah. it's like you had said, what was that phrase you said? Um, yeah, how much of you was lying dormant? You know, you, you were experiencing success, and we're going back, what, six months now? You're experiencing success. Things seem to be going well. You seem to have a, a slid into essentially a new life as a, as, as a guru with a, a lot of things going on. But were you leaving something behind? And, I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to yeah. hand it over to you because I think that story that, that you tell is, is worth hearing. It was a, it's almost like you stopped one day and looked around and said, what's the, what's the biggest, scariest challenge I could do right now? And coincidentally, it didn't have to do with necessarily making money or, or it had mm -hmm. nothing to do with the business at hand. It had to do with you. It had to do mm -hmm. with who you were and who you were going to be in the future. Right. Wow. Yeah, that's a great, great setup. Absolutely. That was exactly what it was. And so to put, to give it some context, my friend, Billy Gardell, who is a now famous comedian, we started out together in 1988 and became friends, have stayed friends. I was at his house in, in August and he said to me, we were reading each other jokes. I had a funny thing happen, John. I woke up from a dead sleep last summer with jokes. <laughs> and that's something that happens a lot is that when I was a working stand-up and hadn't happened for the longest time. I actually and, talked to you right after that happened, so I remember that. And that, yeah. I didn't think at the time that had spurred anything, but I thought, that's cool, but you know, there seemed to be some ominous overtones to it. I, it turned out that way, yeah. It, it started as just, for me, going, well, it was, a, it, was, it was a curious observation. And, you know, the, of course, the key is when I went back and read what I wrote, I was like, oh, that's actually funny the, the next day, you know? <laughs> and so... I read what I had written. My first thought was, you know, maybe Billy can use this because he's, he's, always, he's tried several times to have people write for him. And it's, it's just, you know, some comics can, can, can have writers and others can't. And, and it's just not, doesn't work for him. And so, so I read him the jokes and he liked them. And, and then he read me some stuff out of his notebook. But his instinct wasn't at all like, hey, maybe you could supply me material. He said, why don't you, he goes, I'm, I'm going to be at Mahaffey in January. Come open that show for me. And I said, uh, I, you know, uh, no, I said, you know, thanks, but no, was my immediate reaction. I was like, dude, it's flattering. And certainly it would be a great time, but I haven't been on stage in 10 years. I can't imagine what it would take for me to get, you know, a new 20 minutes up. And there's just no room on my schedule whatsoever to do that. Did the, did the task ahead of you present itself in that conversation or did you just get as far as I'd have to do a lot of things to be able to get to that point and nix it right at that point? Yes, that's exactly what happened. It was, it was, it was, it, it, and the conversation had ended for me, you know, it was like, it's just no way. And so he's like, ah, well, uh, he did say this, and, th and this, this did allow the seed to grow a little bit. He goes, well, he wouldn't take no. He goes, he goes well, just think it over. He goes, let me know. He goes, I'll, I'll give you, he goes, I'll give you up to the week before the show to let me know, and if you can't pull it together, I'll replace you. It's no big deal. There's comics everywhere. Wow. I go, and I go, okay. So we left it at that. And again, in my mind, though, it's like not going to happen. <laughs> and then 
I, you know, had a conversation with, with our friend, Robert Gibson. And, you know, Robert, John, is one of these guys, super intuitive, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Goes to the ends of the earth for his friends. He's, he's, he watches everything we do. <laughs> it's almost scary, right? Yes. I couldn't, I don't have the bandwidth to watch people like he watches people, but he cares that much. And so he and I had a conversation and he pointed something out to me. And anyway, it, it, the details don't matter. What matter is he gave me a task and th this is important. He said, listen, he goes, there, you're, mis you're responsible, Kev, now. You're always so responsible. You're always celebrating other people and you're always uh, looking to help other people. He goes, when's the last time you like truly indulged? Now, if my wife is listening to this right now, she's laughing her ass off going, really? <laughs> That's an issue for you? But <laughs> to everyone outside of her, you know, I could see what he meant. And, and he said, what did he call? He said, there's, so now you have, you've become like Mr. Responsible. He goes, and then there's, there was, there was carefree Kev. He goes, and why don't you go like, just reconnect with that person for a minute. He goes, go read some old journals. He goes, listen to some music that you used to listen to when you were more carefree in life. And what was the third thing he said? Oh, he said, start journaling again. He said, start writing with no pressure to write mm -hmm. like a writer. He goes, because now you're tasked with this label and how, when's the last time you allowed yourself to just write sloppy, non sequitur journal stuff, right? right? And I did those three things. I actually took his advice and I'm telling you, man, within 24 hours, I, I looked up and I went, I absolutely have to do this gig. It, it, is, it is necessarily, it is necessary to my survival, right? It, that's how much I, it, I transformed by, by doing this. And so I, I declared it to myself and I knew I would do it. I, I, I got permission from my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, told her I, and I said, look, this is not going to be easy. This is, there's going to, some sacrifices required. She said, I'm in, I want you to do this. And so we, I, I got down to business now without now, going wait, into, wait, yeah. Kevin, th this is the start of, any adventure movie where, you know, the goal is set out. It's either the Holy Grail that the Monty Python group is going after, whatever. And they're gathering the resources. It's like introducing the characters. Who's coming with me? What do we need? Where are we going to go? You haven't got a clear map. And, all, and in a way, that was like going after the Grail. You're just going to set off. Mm -hmm. But you have certain goals in mind. You have things that you have to get together before you go. Bro, it's a great point. It really Check, was. Checking with the wife being number one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes. Uh, ensure some level of sanity or at least an ability to go, but you said, I checked with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, record it. Yeah. yeah. Would, honey, could you sign this, please? <laughs> That's what I should have done. Yeah, because it came up a couple times. But uh, you know, here's the thing, man. Like, looking back, to, to declare that over the next 60 days, you're going to develop 20 to 25 minutes of new material when you haven't stood on a stage in front of strangers in, you know, who are expecting funny in over 10 years. That's is, insane. It's insane. And I, but I honestly didn't see it as that. I just thought, why not? Right. And, and then, but that, so I decided to do it. And then I thought, well, Kev, at least be smart enough not to tell anyone you're doing this. <laughs> you know, you could quietly go bomb in front of Billy if that's what happens. And 
oh, well, you tried. Everything's fine. Well, next thing I know, I'm declaring it to the world. You know, yeah. I, I told you and I told Paris and I told a few other people and your reactions were so supportive and exciting that it got me really excited. And, and people started saying, well, this is a great story. Just like you're saying now, right? As it was unfolding, like, wow, there's a lot of different ways that this could be exciting for people to follow along with. And yeah. you might inspire other people who, who uh, things are lying dormant inside them. And I thought, oh, shit, you're right. And so the next thing I know, there I am on Facebook, letting the whole world know that I'm, um, I'm on this journey and would they like to come watch <laughs> the, the sausage being made and, and yeah. see, see if I can pull this off. And that's what I did, man. And uh, which is which is you took a challenge that was already daunting on a personal level. Just your buddy giving you the opportunity, and he, you know, he plants that bomb in your head. Think mm -hmm. it over. Mm -hmm. You have it. You know, you have months to to figure this out. So the pressure's off, yet the pressure is on. By taking the pressure off, he actually put more pressure on yeah. it. Put that bomb in your head, knowing it was just going to tick tock, tick tock, and then you in the spirit of the thing, for whatever reason, the, the trickster in your head decided, let's up the ante, because doing it privately, you probably could have pulled it off, probably would have, but why not make this the biggest challenge possible in your life? Not, not just balancing business and a, and a desire to get back up on stage and, and see, see what happens, you know, those, those great three words in, in mm -hmm. all adventures, you know, <laughs> see what happens. Um, you know, you just, you piled on, you made yourself accountable to other people, you uh, set it up and, and probably intuitively you were setting up, you, you were like Cortez landing in Central America, you were burning the ships behind you right. so that you couldn't yeah. back and, you know, you didn't want to, but th this is a little game we all play with ourselves as we get, uh, as we get motivation going. You know, I, I've used anti-motivation most of my career. Mm -hmm. It was to show them, you know, by God, I'll show those people who doubted me. And especially that one first copywriter I met who said I couldn't, you know, I'd never figure it out. You know, John, just give it up. You'll never figure it out. Right. I've been thinking about her for 30 years, <laughs> yeah. you know, because it, I, I don't even remember her name and I never met her again, but it mattered to me. And that negative motivation did a lot for me. So for you, this is a combination of positive motivation and a little bit of negative motivation in there. A little bit of you're setting yourself up to, you know, be, have a pu public face plant if, if yeah. it doesn't happen. So yeah. okay, go ahead. Yeah, totally. Great point. And I'll, I'll tell you, so I'll tell you how that played out of my, because then we, what we start doing is now we're in like survival mode, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I started thinking, all right, it suddenly turned into, like you said, I was accountable uh, some people bought tickets like immediately, which shocked me. I was like, are you kidding? They're, they're supporting me to the point of coming here for the show now, right? And, and so uh, I, I started thinking, okay, all right, well, I may not get to 20 minutes, but I'm definitely going to walk on stage that night, right? And so maybe if I can only get 10 minutes together, Billy will allow, he'll bring in another act and we could just, he can just have two openers. I'll do 10 minutes. Some other guy will do 15 or 20 and he, he won't be mad. <laughs> and uh, so I'm like hedging my bets a little bit you're, in my mind. You're bargain, you were bargaining. Yeah. Bargaining. That's right. That's right. And it, as it went on, I'm telling you, and I'll tell you, dude, and I, I have, I taped every single set I did uh, since I've been back. And 
it was it was rough, dude. It was it, this is not oh you hop back on the horse or or the bike and and I'll tell it was it was bad. And I would listen back to the 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 sets and I'd go oh. like in my mind I'd get some laughs and it felt okay. And then I'd listen back to it and I'd go oh this is bad. I mean who is this guy? Like I hated my cadence. It felt forced. Yeah. Everything was off. And it's like, like it's like it's like getting erections again after years of celibacy. <laughs> you're not you're not quite sure what to do with them. Again, it's kind of tilting the uh, new directions. Like I never bent <laughs> that way before. What's that about? <laughs> so 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 an, an important part of this, and, and I wanted to, I want to just plant this so you don't skip over it. Was you finding a workshop to get into yes. and having multiple venues open up in front of you yeah. that you weren't expecting? Totally. Like the only way this could have happened was thanks to Coconuts Comedy Club on St. Pete Beach who miraculously owned by the same guy who owned it before I even got into this business in 1988. Bob uh -huh. Shoemaker uh, loves the craft. It provides an open stage for any passionate comic who can get a laugh. And as luck would have it, you know, only within the last year or so, another great comic who happens to live here locally now named Danny Bevins started a, a joke writing workshop on Wednesday nights and he and all the other local comics get together and it's just like a hot seat, John. You show up with, with some joke ideas, you get on stage, all the comics are sitting around and you just start riffing you, and everybody says, uh, okay, you ready? We go ready. And then everybody just, it's actually kind of polite for comics. Like nobody talks <laughs> over, they raise their hands and everybody goes, yeah, but what if you flipped it and did this or that? Or, you know, well, what's the, what's the point of this joke? What's your, what's your POV? I'm not clear on why, do, why do I care? Why do you care? What's the investment? You know, like sort of, you know, deep stuff. And, and, and a safe, a safe environment. A now, safe place. I, yeah. I want to add something here in case anybody listening is saying, "Oh, well, you had these obvious privileges that that you know fell in your lap." Absolutely not true. Movement makes shit happen. Mm. Um, in, 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 real quickly in my life, you know, I met Howard, I met Jay Abraham. I, I there was no reason why I should have met them because they uh, they were unknown to me and I was unknown to them. But I just kept moving. This is the first year of my career. I kept moving and things happened. And I kept my, you know, I, I was on high alert for those little opportunities that were like whispers in the wind mm -hmm. that then would lead to bigger things. And once you get, once you're, once you're on this, this journey, things will start happening. And, and if you talk to other people that, that have made radical changes in their lives like this, whether it's going back to something they did before, starting something new, you know, doors start opening. It's, it's stunning how much the universe re appreciates and rewards uh, movement. So the fact that, you know, that guy was still at the club and, and you did a set at the club, right? And you didn't even know he was still owning the club, if, if I have that right. And, and the fact that the guy was starting the workshop about that time, it's like all these things seem to align. Well, they would have aligned anyway, whether you were in the picture or not. So what you did was you know, you inserted yourself into the universe of movement and, you know, you know, you heard about these things because you were moving. I, I just want to make that point. There was yeah. nothing special about you at the, at that point. Right. 
except you're on high alert for opportunities that may have been just an aside that somebody said, or you happen to meet that. If I recall right, you met that owner in the club. You go, wait, you still own this place? Maybe I have that wrong. Yeah, not not exactly. But I want to stop for a minute and say that in whatever 40 episodes or whatever, that is probably the the truest and most important and profound thing that that's been said on this, on this show. Really? Yes, dude. I'll tell, <laughs> I'll tell you why it's because it's, it, it's so, it's the truest thing I've ever seen consistently yeah. in my life. And if I say this to my kids all the time, if, 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 if I can't guide them through life like I hope I can, and I can only leave them with one truth, it is what you just said. Just never stop trying. Be yeah. doing something. Have momentum always. It, when you sit idle and you don't take action and you, and you talk big ideas and never follow through, people give up on you. And that's almost the only reason they'll give up on you. As long it's as true. you're trying they will go to the ends of the earth with you and support your cause. But you sit around lazy talking about big ideas, forget every divorced person I know has, <laughs> has that as an element of what went wrong. Yeah. You know, there, there's also that element of being okay with, I would say shame, but mostly embarrassment, just being okay with those, those wounds that life can deliver to you that are not lethal. You know, to be shamed, to be humiliated, to be embarrassed, those are not lethal events in your life. Those are things that can be met. And once you get over the, the fear of them, then, um, you know, that opens up even more movement. You know, the, the shameless go quite far in this world. And most of the people listening to this, I'm sure, are not shameless. But you need to cultivate an element of, being, of not being afraid of embarrassment, humiliation, and shame anymore. To, uh-huh to put yourself out there and maybe screw up. You know, for, for every gig I had when I was doing the rock and roll thing with, you know, playing in biker bars and stuff, for every great gig I had, I had a bad gig. You know, but that was the nature of the game. And that's the way, that's the way it happens. I'm not sure how it happens with you, but, you know, you've got a fresh audience when you're stepping out on stage and, you know, you're either going to win the audience over or not, and it's not going to be your fault. There's all these things that go in there, these little self armor things that you have it's like I can fail and if I fail it's going to be all right I'll either you know I'll learn the lesson I'll fix what needs to be fixed or maybe it was just my time to fail because it's going to be your time to fail no matter what you're after yeah as an entrepreneur you might you know most of the serial entrepreneurs I know have gone bankrupt at least once and sometimes multiple times not everything you do not everything you write is going to be a hit not every you know, relationship you have is is going to be, you know, is, is, is going to be good. So get over that idea that playing it safe will make for a better life because you won't be embarrassed. You won't be hurt. You won't have that emotional angst going on. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you know, you had to deal with the nervousness, the, the, the angst, basically oh, yeah. the, the anxiety, all of that stuff. So you had to make sure that you weren't going to have a panic attack when you got up on stage. <laughs> true. Yeah. And that meant going up on stage. You're not going to find out by talking about it. I'm That's sorry. Go true. ahead. Kevin. Yeah, it's a great no, story. It's 100 percent true. I mean, it's so profound what you're saying. Uh, and so, yeah. And so, you know, sucking, dude. Like starting and the first set I have saved on my phone. I think late September. And so, uh, you know, just and, and keep in mind that is, this is the slowest season, the fall for <laughs> the beach and that club. So 
I want to appreciate for a second uh, if you if if you're listening and you watch a show like Louie or you watch a show like Crashing on HBO, which just got picked up for a second season, great show, Judd Apatow and Pete Holmes. Uh, it is a really valid look at what it's like to try to make it as a comic. The dedication that people put themselves through. Uh, imagine, John, uh, this, and here's what's interesting, is I'm coming back sort of as a visitor. Like, I obviously was yeah. on a mission, and I had a lot of work, and the stakes were high. But at the same time, it could only hurt my life so much, right? Yeah. Uh, I've moved on and I have a business and, and, and money's okay. Uh, these the younger comics are so dedicated, uh, they're living for it. And, and so imagine this scenario. We do the workshop on Wednesdays, right? And we got to be out of the club at 8.30. The show's at 9.30. So there's this hour gap. Here's what we need to do a show. Uh, Bob's rule, six people. <laughs> six people and so a lot of times we'd have four reservations and you got 10 or 12 guys stay hanging around for an hour uh hoping that two more people will show up and <laughs> we can the bartender do, count and we can <laughs> we can no, no. <laughs> we can do a show yeah we don't count we can't all sit in there and make up the crowd you got to have you know six reservations paid members so you're and, grabbing hookers off the street and <laughs> You know, if you went up to somebody and said, hey, I got an idea. Tonight at 930, you're going to walk in front of six strangers who are, are scattered about a room that holds about 88 people. And you're going to be your job is to make them laugh for 10 minutes. And most people would say, you know, they'd run. They turn and they'd literally run as fast as they could. Right uh -huh. now, but these whack jobs are hanging around for an hour hoping that that happens, right? <laughs> That's the level of dedication that, that comics go through and when they're starting and I really fell in love with the craft through that, that passion again. And so keep in mind that the show I'm doing with Billy on January 13th was 2,000 people at Mahaffey Theater. And, Not six. <laughs> and, and I'm doing six. And I think I, I can count how many times I, did, I was able to perform for sold out crowds at that club, which again is just under 100 people, you know, New Year's Eve, a couple others. But here's the great thing. It's such a good club. All you need is sometimes it, it's the right six people and everybody kills, you know, sometimes huh. you get a weird 12 and, they, and it sucks. And here's what I took away from it. And this is interesting. It doesn't matter the size of the crowd. You know what stand-up comedy is? It is a conversation between two strangers. Crowd of strangers come together and they form one personality. So they, they huh. form the nucleus of one living, breathing, strange human being to you, right? A, a comedian walks on stage and introduces himself or herself to, to that person. And then you have a conversation. And just like in life, it could get, it could flow immediately and you find your new best friend, or it could be totally stilted and weird and awkward and never get better. <laughs> huh. That's good. And that's exactly what stand up is. It doesn't matter if it's 2000 or if it's, if it's six, it's they form a, a nucleus that and that's your relationship so a hive mind yeah 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 and so now um you know my so just to follow the hero's journey a little bit uh in that format 
um, you know, just dogging it and uh, taking any sets I can get and trying to you know, slowly developing a better cadence, getting back in tune with who I, how it feels to, to do well and to get some laughs and just trying to take my cues from the audience of what, what's working and what's not. Now, here's the other thing that's very relevant to marketing is I was tasked with, tasked with something we coach a lot, John, in our businesses, when businesses we consult and, and things is, uh, who are you, right? One uh -huh. of your, this is one of your covenants of, of copy. Who are yeah. you? Why do I care? Right? Yes. Um, and so that was, for me, it was like, what is my, who am I now? What is my persona? What is my POV? Because, you know, last I'd done stand up, I was, you know, in my twenties, I was unmarried. I had no kids and I had hair, hair. past my shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm everything the opposite of that. <laughs> and well, you uh, still have hair past your shoulders, but it's on your back now. So. <laughs> That's exactly right. And I braid it. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I thought, all right, well, maybe my persona is that I, I'm a little lost at this point in my life because I used to be a pretty cool guy, right? But I'm suddenly at this age now, I'm 47, and it, it, here's, here's the POV I developed in a nutshell. Here's the line. Uh, it, I'm 47, and it, it's a strange age because I'm caught in this vortex where I'm young enough to care about being cool, but I'm too old to know the difference. <laughs> Oh, geez, that's good. Right? And so that, that, that was the foundation I would set for here's who I am. And then I would, you know, talk about the struggles within that. I would say like, you know, I, like I'm, I'm, I still crank my stereo at red lights, but now it's on NPR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's the market, dude, it is. Exactly market. right. Yeah, this is all things considered. I'm Corey Flintoff. <laughs> What's up, ladies? And you're bouncing your head and looking at, looking at the girls in the car next to you, looking at you. Exactly. And, uh, you know, so, so that, that really helped, like, once that developed. The interesting thing is just like it's hard to market our own stuff, it's really hard to know if you're making the right choice about it, your persona, right? Um, and so it, I kept going back and forth, like, ah, maybe that's it. Maybe there's something deeper. Again, thank God for that workshop because the other comics would go, yes, dude, no, dude. What's the point of that one, dude? Like, and then I got to this point where I was like, hey, look up at the, uh, look at the calendar and the show is less than 60 days away. My friend Lou, invited me to do uh, open for him at a show in the middle in mid near Orlando. And he said to me, Hey dude, you want to come do the show? It, it's 20 minutes. We'll, we'll ride over together. And again, I started typing, no, I, I won't be ready for 20 minutes. And then I realized if I can't do 20 minutes that night, I'm in uh -huh. deep shit, you know, yeah. for, for January and went and did it and turned out to be, you know, one of the best shows in the journey. So so it, it, it just, it developed and with a lot of coaching and guidance and the show. Which you, which you sought out. I just want yeah. to make that point. You yeah. sought it out. You took advantage of the resources available mm -hmm. and the universe offered a few more resources that you jumped on. Totally. Yeah. And you kept your business alive while doing this. I think that can't be lost. That's right. I, I yeah. And there was a great line. I don't think I've said this yet. Todd Herman is a guy I respect a lot. He's a, he's a guy who coaches 
really top level people, billionaires and, uh, you know, professional soccer teams and, and all kinds of things. Uh, he was actually personally mentored by Jim Rohn, which is a great story in itself. But uh, Rome is burning. Yeah, yeah, not that guy. Uh, Jim yeah. Rohn, R-H-O-N, um, or is it R-O-H-N? Um, the, the great, uh, you know, sort of, what would you call him, personal development guy. He was in, the, he was in that school with uh, uh, Earl Nightingale and oh, you know, okay. those cats. Um, and so I called Todd when I decided to take this on. And I said, hey, Todd, I, I, I wanted to get your advice because this is going to be a big task. And he goes, okay, great. Well, tell me what your, what's your plan. And I kind of told him what I was doing. He's like, I don't see the problem. What's the problem? I go, well, I'm a little concerned about balancing. I feel like something's got to give, you know, it, it takes me like three or four hours to go do a 10 minute set. And it's, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to balance my business and my family and everything. And he goes, well, first of all, balance is for average people. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's a great line. And I understood what he meant. It's like, look, we've, we all talk about balance all the time, but there are, if you're, if you're after something great and something fulfilling, right. And something that's going to make you feel alive, you just have to accept that you're going to go out of balance for a little while. Yep. Like you said, John, you know, you check in with the people around you, but that is how the hero's journey starts in the classic uh, format, right? You know, yeah. some, some task is, is bestowed upon you. Some calling is made. You accept it. And now everything else is kind of yesterday's news. You got to go forth and do this thing. And I thought that was a great line. And so, look, you don't have to disrupt your life. Sometimes you might. Like, you might be sitting there going, if your thing uh, that you used to do is travel and you need to get back out there on the road or you need to go see – you know, you, you, Bali again or whatever it is, do, find a way. And this, yes. that will totally send your life out of balance probably. But anymore, if you're an entrepreneur that you can travel, there are roaming bands of nomadic entrepreneurs who travel together and work all over the world together, right? Yep. Anything's possible if you accept the challenge. And if I can leave people with one piece of inspiration, it's that, whatever has been rolling around in your mind as John and I are having this conversation and you're going, man, I really should get back to that thing. You got to do it. You owe it yeah. to yourself because here's the outcome that I could not have predicted. I, I feel more alive and more capable and oddly more relaxed than I have felt in the previous 10 years. And John, you know me and you've coached me through some of my minor freakouts, right? And all the things we go through as we build the business and try to figure out who we are and what the hell we're doing, getting back, reviving this piece of me that, that I didn't realize was lying dormant like a sleeping dragon and sort of unleashing it and allowing it to thrive again has inspired everything I do, every word I say, I speak differently, I feel differently, I view the world differently. And it was all part of me all along, but I had shoved it aside thinking I couldn't do everything that I'm passionate about. And it simply wasn't true. You're waking up with boners again. So. <laughs> and they totally bend left, which is still odd, but you know. So, you know, the, the other phrase is feed the monkey. You know, we, we talk about monkeys on our back, which is old 50s drug culture stuff. But the idea that 
the monkey on your back is the, you know, the, the baggage we carry around, the luggage. A lot of people understand that in terms of I have baggy, emotional baggage from my bad childhood or from a bad relationship or something happened or I, you know, I've been saddled with these health or, you know, some kind of conditions that make me uh, not perfect and therefore their luggage and stuff. But the thing that we're, f- we're forgetting about, which you have so nicely illuminated, is, you know, who you are what and, 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 and what you are and, and what you need to and who you need to be to be you. And for you, this, you know, for, for me, I did it at the same age you did it. In my mid-40s, I quit business and went out and started playing music in biker bars and just had a blast for several years, formed a band, uh, and, and it, was just, it just fed my soul. And I'm still living off of that, that sense. I'm still talking about it, too. There are some people who wish I would stop talking about it, but <laughs> it was, you know, for me, that's what it was. And I, ha- and I had to start from not having, play- not having been on stage for probably – I'm going to say 20 years, wow. not having played seriously, not having played songs all the way through, let alone put together a set list of 40 songs that I, you know, that I would sing and have all the lyrics to and know the, the arrangements and everything and, you know, and work with other musicians. I mean, all, all of that came back to me, but it took time. And there was, it's, you know, the idea of the hero's journey was good. It doesn't have to be something you used to do, uh, this all this advice that you're giving out would work for somebody who wanted to try it for the first time. Who yeah. thought I, you know, I always wanted to be a stand-up or I always wanted to get into a band or something, and you don't do it. And my advice all throughout my life is always, you know, I've, some of the best guitarists I've ever known never got up on stage, mm. and they just couldn't get past that. Probably the embarrassment thing or the idea that if it wasn't perfect, they didn't want to do it. Perfectionism killed them. Things like that. And there's probably an equal number of people who, you know, wanted to get up and, you know, maybe be that person who's, ex- you know, who's exposed to the world and on Johnny Carson or David Letterman or, you know, the Tonight Show now. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these, op- you know, there's more opportunities now. There's more people going after those opportunities, but they all, one of the best things to do is to, essentially what you're doing is offering a biography of, of, of yourself. And this would be a couple of chapters in your autobiography. I'm reading Bruce Springsteen's autobiography right now, and he's going in detail about, you know, what happened to him. And it's, it, it illuminates that it wasn't easy, that it wasn't, you know, there were multiple decision points on the path where you could go right, left, or just sit down, set up camp and stop, or turn around and go back. And those points just keep happening over and over and over and over again. The universe cleverly gives you outs as you're on this journey you, you can quit no shame quit now go on back pick up everything else that's fine and at each point the growth that happens is are you the person who stops and goes back or do you take the left path or you take the right path and you know maybe you take the path least traveled or maybe you take the path most traveled it doesn't much matter as long as you're moving so, but those decision points are going to come. It's not one decision. Yeah, I'm going to do it. You know, come on, kids, let's put on a show. It's, it's a number of decision points all the way down the line. And they, get, they start to multiply as they go. I, I don't know if you ever had angst over what you were going to wear when you got on stage. But when did you start thinking about how you were going to present yourself on that final stage in um, – uh, yeah. For, for yeah. Well, I, I thought about every, every aspect of it. And I'll tell you one other thing about taking on a challenge like this. It's such a gift. 
um, is that when you have a, a date for it, right? Uh, I don't know about other people. I, you know, there is some, there's a deadline and, there, and there's some anxiety, but for me, if, if I have anything on the books that includes me standing in front of people and talking into a microphone, whether it's a conference, you know, presentation or, or right. certainly this one, I have the best showers for like, you know, right. 30, 30 days leading up to it, right? I, yeah. I, I visualize, I fantasize, I, I get physically excited. I visualized how this would go down a lot. You know, we hear about sports teams and, and, and people, you know, athletes doing this all the time. Yeah. And I, I did a lot of that. And I'll tell you this, it's kind of funny about what to wear because I really did want to wear something that was, you know, at once uh, flattering <laughs> and, but also helped my persona and did all those things. So you go like jacket, too confining, too formal. What are we doing? You know, t-shirt way too formal. And naked, not appropriate. Naked, yeah, only for the you know for the closer, and uh, <laughs> you got to be headlining to uh, to go naked. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I just wore uh, jeans and uh, black a black you know button down shirt. That, but the shirt was very generous with me because it was like just the right material that kind of hangs nice. <laughs> and because I'll tell you what, dude, my, my I, I picked up a lot of bad habits during this journey. Like it took a toll on my, on my, my physicality, uh, my sleep, like a lot, I had to adjust a lot of things to make the, you know, I'm going out suddenly, I used to be in bed at 10 and suddenly I'm going on stage at nine 30. Right. <laughs> and so now I'm hungry when I leave the club at 1130 and I, ah, let me grab a cheeseburger on the way home. I'm having two or three, four beers a night over the course of the night. You know, so now I'm pack on like 10 pounds. You know, I'm not going to like something at the gym like that. I'm not getting to the gym like I used to, you know. So it definitely, yeah, I came out of it going, all right, dude, time to now's the balance part, right? Yeah. You got to get back to the gym. You got to definitely need to not go out to the clubs quite as much. And so, you know, now I'm back on track and I'm, I'm feeling healthy again. I even, I even smoked a little bit, you know, like stuff, dude, I haven't done in 20, 25 years. Like yeah. just these weird habits that were anchored uh, there. And I almost feel like in a, in a weird way, I don't say they had to emerge, but it felt very natural to fall back into them, which, you know, that could be a cautionary tale. If somebody's passionate thing that we've been talking about also is the time before they were sober or something, then eh, maybe that's a caveat worth considering. I don't know. Well, the, the, you know, there's also the, the other shoe dropping the, the, in the hero's journey, what happens after you've completed it? I mean, yeah. you know, it's like the dog that chases cars and one day he catches one. Now what? Yeah. yeah. And, and you had a nice ending to that. You, kind of made up your mind early on, but I think it was, it was reinforced as you did is that you would not let these skills then go back, you know, leave you again, but you had a way to let them out. You were going to write and, and, and write at a high level that people would want, want the jokes, but you had a very defined thing. So there was this huge effort to get on stage and open and, 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 and kill with, with the audience. And then the after part was important. And you just intuitively thought about that. What's next? You aren't going to go back on the road, abandon the family, start smoking and blow up to 300 pounds. <laughs> you were going to go back to your business that you had, but you weren't going to let go of the dream either. So you found a nice in-between way to make it work. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'll tell you I, the other surprise bonus, like I mentioned earlier, it, it's, I just feel like a different person. I almost feel sort of whole again. And now there's been a lot of excitement, you know, externally about what I did and the fact that I get to now incorporate, be an authority on comedy and right. marketing and copywriting in, in a way that I truly wasn't before. I, w I had enough credential after 10 years on the road to discuss it intelligently and make it useful, but it's not the same as being immersed in it and having, yep. it, you know, and so now I'm doing all kinds of exciting stuff. We're doing a, a training in Copy Chief called How to Be You But Funny. <laughs> good and so you know what's interesting john like you and i uh have talked a lot about because people ask us both should i attempt humor in my sales copy or, we, or how how do i be funny like you guys yeah that's, right that's and, and, and so yeah and so when our pat answer has sort of been just don't with with copy because it's the stakes are too high and things get misconstrued and it's just not worth the risk however right. When people say, how do we be, be funny? We've tried to give good advice. And so I'm sort of flipping the script totally now and going, all right, let's just take the challenge of I've decided I need comedy in my world, in my business, or I want to, I at least want to understand how, you know, kind of with copy, it's like, I want to recognize good from bad. I want to know if something's completely unfunny so I don't embarrass myself. And maybe if I'm starting there, I can actually execute some jokes and, so I'm creating all kinds of, you know, formulas and, and little templates and things people can use to start writing jokes and showing, uh, you know, some great examples of how people are doing it. And, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. And like I said, Excellent. you know, there's no grand plan for it, but if I could help people, I'd love to help people give better talks. You know, everybody, you, know, you got to have that joke in the beginning there. Well, actually, you know, you don't really, not really, not if, not if, if it's a bad joke, probably better not, you know, but right. um, there, there's a comedian inside of everybody. It can be developed, maybe not as a career, but if you're, if you're, if you're determined to attempt humor, then I'll take on the responsibility of helping somebody do it, do it well. Cool. Yeah, and that's a that's a that is a opening in the marketing world because some of the best marketers have great senses of humor. They kind of sit on it, but they can't keep it tamped down forever. Right, uh, it almost always comes out. Uh, if you ever listen to a Gary Halbert talk or a Dan Kennedy talk, yeah, um, you know humor is going to come out. You're going to make you know you're going to hear the audience laugh and laugh you know and they're shocked you know, a shock guffaw or a, uh, you know, a tittering going through the crowd or, and a lot of times it's, I can't believe he said that, you know, there's, there's a yeah. lot of stuff going on. So that's, you know, some kind of moderation needs to be done. You, you know, it's easy to be a shock person to be a shock comic takes real skill. And we have several shock comics still alive that, you know, are examples of how to do it badly. Yeah. I, I like watching Gotham live. I think it is. Is that on the Comedy Channel or FX? It's um, just a lineup of comics in uh, in New York. Yeah. It's on late at night. It's probably after you've gone to bed. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're mostly uh, – one was hosted by Steve-O, you know, who's working on his, you know, being funny and sober at the same time. Steve-O from um, – Jackass. 
uh, jackass. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes they're washed up uh, comics or, you know, former TV stars are hosting it, but they bring up a lineup of comics and you get to see how people are trying, how they're prodding the audiences and the culture and the, the zeitgeist to see what they could say, you know, because that's where I first saw Amy Schumer, for example. She mm -hmm. came out, it was hilarious. I mean, she had a killer act. Mm -hmm. And uh, she seemed to be prodding stuff. And she shamed the other comedians there because they were doing old shtick. And she just had this new thing going on. She's kind of ridden it pretty far. And I, yeah. you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not busting and uh, busting a leg to go see her next movie. But I was extremely impressed. And it's kind of worth seeing, you know, a, a venues where comics are out there testing their stuff, seeing who they are, seeing you know, how, first seeing how who they are works right now and then yeah. how they might adapt or change who they are. That's right. Yeah. That's a, yeah. And, and it's like humor. Humor starts with puerile stuff. As kids, we have kid humor. Yeah. As adolescents, it's probably the worst humor in the bunch. It's often very cruel and based on humiliation and uproariously funny if you're 14 years old. And then it starts to change. And when you get to the point of, you know, adult comedy, it's often, con you know, conceptual. It's, uh, you know, there's no, there's not necessarily a punchline. There's all this stuff going on. So right. for, for someone wondering how to use it, if they think, well, I, I know how to be funny. Let me tell you this joke I heard 20 years ago. You know, <laughs> they tell they got one or two jokes. They have, That's not being funny. That's telling a joke. There's a whole big difference in there. Right. So very, yeah. very much worth exploring. And anybody who is who is funny and tamping down on it, um, you know, maybe that's a, um, a a tool in your kit you're not taking full advantage of. You know, I've I've been behind the scenes with a lot of guys like Frank Kern. You know, is is hilarious in private. He's he's yeah. he's done both tamping it down and let it go. Uh, Rich Sheffern, you mentioned earlier, he, he's hilarious. Uh, Dan Kennedy is really yeah, hilarious. very funny. And he does tamp it down quite a bit. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just, there's a, there's, you know, we should probably do another show just on the, the definition of the term balance, what that really means. Cause this was about going for the gusto, yeah. and, you know, setting yourself a high bar and then going after it. And probably the, the idea that, you know, you can't, you can't sustain that for <laughs> very long before you start falling into bad habits. You really got to have people around you who, are supporting you who you know who understand what's going on and if you're going to go on the road even for a short period of time you better have a family that understands yeah and uh you can't demand that they change you may have to persuade them you may have to use all kinds of different things different tactics to be able to get people on your side who aren't initially they may be scared you know what, what are they scared about and but you know as you do this the people around you also start to see who they are and, yes. and, and they start to see this too. So you're, you know, your kids now are seeing, you know, dad go through this heavy duty challenge, meet with adversity and angst and, and solve it, just figure it out. Yes. And that's, you know, that's going to be great stuff for them. They're going to grow up with an excellent example of, of fearless living by seeking out fearful situations. I, I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's complex but it's for most for most of the non civilians that we know. It's the only way to live. Go out and scare the hell out of yourself. I think yes. that, that is uh, that was the lie, man. And um, so, I, yeah, I guess we can leave it there for now. I mean, yeah. it, it's um, 
I appreciate the chance to talk through some of the stuff because great it, story. It, never it, tired, never tired. Of getting it, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's cool. And it's still going. And I guess kind of just last thing about what you said about the, we all worry about the people around us. I, I think much better to go for something, even though it's disruptive, because like you said, momentum is everything rather yeah. than constantly talk yourself out of things, hoping, thinking that you're doing a favor to the people around you who may be quietly wondering what happened to you. Yes. <laughs> so what uh, happened to that guy? And yeah. not the, not the guy who, who could win at beer pong in college, but the guy who, <laughs> you know, accomplished things, you know, yeah. and, yeah. You had dreams. That's right. So <laughs> great. Well, another great show. So good to be back. We will do our best to be more regular as our, as our doctors requesting. Um, right. And I, I just want to throw in the, the thing where we got the simple writing system. Yes. Uh, cooking on high heat. I redid the, uh, all the tapes. It's totally updated. Uh, and it's, a, it's an exciting thing to get into if you, if you want to uh, take advantage of my mentoring on uh, on on a on a program, you can do it on your own, or you can do it in the coached version. So, simplewritingsystem.com is the yeah. If you if you if look if if you have any ideas about being a freelance copywriter or just mastering the craft on any level for your business, or there's still no better pro. How old is it now, John? I mean, you you created I don't know, this eight years. I'm yeah, two thousand eight, I think, is when we met, and that was just when it was coming out, and right. it, it's still the most relevant, solid uh, program I've ever seen. And you're talking to a guy who's been creating trainings uh, for you know almost three years now. Nothing comes close if you're really looking to master the craft. Yeah, and just to just to return the compliment, you this program, especially this one you're talking about, exploring the ideas of of comedy and marketing and things like that. Uh, just a really good reason to get into Copy Chief. So thanks, pal. Yeah, so we'll have links to those things there, and uh, also mention a URL that I did document this comeback. If you want to see more oh, yeah. behind the scenes of it, it's copychief.com forward slash comeback. We'll put a link for that there as well and uh, good stuff John we'll do it again soon okay pal great talking with you you too man bye bye